Hello and welcome to The Connected Mindset. I'm your host, Greg Tomchik, and each week we bring you the stories and strategies to help connect you to your wildest dreams. Today's episode is presented by Valor Cybersecurity, simplified cybersecurity solutions for your business. Today's guest is somebody that I have a deep respect for. James Green is the founder of Illuminate Advisory, where he helps individuals and organizations take calculated risks with resilience in mind. Each of us have something to learn from James Green today. So, James Green, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Greg. I love that video intro, the music. I was like, man, that's really, I gotta, I'm gonna steal something like that. That's impressive. Gets us pumped up, gets us inspired, oh. ready to dive in here. So looking, looking forward to it. Um, so one of the things that I continue to see on LinkedIn, um, and, and very few people do this, I think video is one of those things that everybody's like, it's the mainstream, everybody's putting out videos. I think, but in our industries, there's very few people that kind of get in front of the camera, you know, frequently and share something that's meaningful um, to the viewer. You're one of those people that I think about when I think about that concept and it's inspiring. Um, so I want to give us, give us a few moments to share with the audience kind of how you came up with Thursday thoughts, you know, what was the inspiration and then what has carried you through to continue that momentum over the past, you know, what, 12 months? Uh, we're coming up. Uh, we started in December of 2020. So it's been a year and a half. Uh, and it's certainly a funny journey. Like I, you know, looking at me, I'm not an Instagram model, right? I'm not camera ready. I'm a, I'm a dude uh, in his old 40s, who's uh, late 40s, who's got some battle scars. And the way this started, Greg, was you know, so December 2020, we were in the ninth month of pandemic. So by then, all of us were familiar with Zoom and Skype and GoToMeeting and Teams and uh, you name it. And, you know, I think we all got comfortable on camera talking to each other. But I wasn't comfortable on camera, like just filming myself. Didn't take a lot of selfies, didn't shoot videos to send to grandma with the kids. And initially, I just wanted to get more comfortable just me and a camera, right? Just me and my phone. So I initially said, just like any habit, all right, I'm gonna do this once a week. Uh, and to hold myself accountable, I'm gonna post it publicly on LinkedIn. And I started with LinkedIn because at the time, looking around at all the different social medias, to your point, us being in risk and resilience and cyber, there wasn't a lot of, of video. 
And I was like, we're, we're, we all watch videos now. We've become TikTok people. Why wasn't there video? So I was like, I'm going to do video. I'm going to do it on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, thankfully at the time, um, you know, I, I had the, nobody could tell me no, I guess is, is the short answer. So we started, uh, I just made a commitment. I'm going to post once a week. And I was terrified. And if you can find the first one on, on my YouTube page on our internet, it was terrible. Uh, one of my friends said it looked like a hostage video. They asked me for proof of life and to blink twice <laughs> if I was okay. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about, what I wanted to share on. And we just kind of settled on the theme of risk because most people, when they think of the word risk, they think of something bad. They think of something scary. They think of, especially in our space, like risk management is only how we mitigate or transfer or accept risk. But what about risk in, in our life? And I noticed the first time that I shared a little bit about my journey or my story, uh, the audience really responded. And I started to get more comments on those posts uh, and I get a lot of people who aren't comfortable commenting, but they share, you know, direct messages with me. And that's been very meaningful. So flash forward a year and a half, uh, we do we do Thursday Thoughts every week, talking about risk, the risk journey. It's the most viewed and most interacted content uh, that I create. It's also the biggest source of leads and revenue for my consulting company, which I never would have thought that that's how that would work. Uh, and it's become the foundation for uh, my first book that's going to be hopefully coming out later this year. Okay, so we got a book in in the works. It's very we exciting. Do have, yeah. We do have a, a, a book in the work. The, the title is Hurricane Irma Ate My Pants. Uh, and it's about uh, my my risk journey, and and how other people encouraging other people to take their risk journey. I love the puns that you always have, James. It's one of those things that keeps a bland topic of risk management and resilience. That's traditionally kind of you know black and white. Um, it starts to put color in it, which I think more people need. Um, one of the things you know I've realized you know in our interactions, and I want to acknowledge you for this is. You know, the ability to kind of think about risk from who are we actually serving at the end of the day? You know, early on in my career, you know, I always thought, you know, we're serving these big organizations, but at the end of the day, we're serving people. Um, we're Correct. serving individuals who are operating those companies. Um, and I think that's critical. Um, one of the things I heard you mention, which I think is, is something for the audience to kind of cling to, is the discipline aspect right? You believed in yourself to do something. There was a lot of fear and doubt there, a lot of nerves. Um, but once you get the ability to kind of tell yourself, I'm going to do this in a small way, and then just continually take steps in that right direction. And nowadays, you know, you guys have a great intro, you have some music in it. Um, you know, you're, you're really, you've become more and more passionate about it. And, you know, you're asking people questions in the audience at the end of these videos on things to think about as they go out in their personal lives, in their professional lives. Um, and this, this stuff's extremely impactful. Um, and you realize that through people saying, you know, hey, I saw your video, you're you know, walking on a mountain, um, talking about you know, 
taking, you know, jumping off the ledge and kind of taking that ultimate risk because there's a lot of reward there. And somebody might need to hear that that day within their company that they're operating and say, you know, I heard this from James Green. You know, maybe we give him an opportunity to come in and speak with our team of executives. So just want to acknowledge you for taking that that deep dive. Um, you know, few and far between people do that, um, especially when it comes to video. Um, I think it's impressive. What was the biggest kind of enlightenment periods throughout that journey? Like, I know there's a lot of fear at the beginning. Maybe you got three or four videos in. People started to support it. Obviously, that helps continue the engine. Um, but things you kind of had to continue to to battle through um, that stick out. You know, I think for me, when when the light bulb really went on, is that the more I guess emotionally vulnerable. I was, the more I was human, mm -hmm. the more people responded. So at the start of last year, I think 22, I, I shared my goals for the year. And I was, I recorded that several times because at first it was just all my professional goals. I want to hit this revenue. I want to do this and blah, blah, blah. And anytime I create a video or write a blog post or thinking about doing a webinar, I look at it, would I actually watch this? <laughs> and I was watching this video, I'm like, this is boring. I would not watch this. So I'm gonna include, I'm gonna share about some of my personal goals. And one of my goals last year was, you know, during COVID, we all became very socially isolated. And with social media, I think we become myopic in our view. So I shared on camera, Hey, one of my goals is I want to hang out with a friend in person once a month. Uh, and if you're in your 20s, you don't even understand, like you hang out with your friends 12 times a week. So what are you talking about? But it was me sharing that that sparked very meaningful conversation and dialogue with the audience about being socially isolated and, you know, wanting to connect more to people. And that was kind of the light bulb moment where I was like, oh, when I share James as a human taking risk versus here's James, the risk manager telling you what to do. This is very prescriptive, you know, do these five things. Mm -hmm. And when I started to say, here's the things I'm doing, that was kind of the light bulb moment that really switched uh, the content that we shared and the audience that we had, um, you know, it's it's great to, to post a picture again on Instagram, hey, I'm on my yacht that I rented, like here's my lifestyle. But once you start to share like who you are as a person, uh, I think that really resonates with other people because think about the videos you watch or, or the things you listen to. It's when people are their, their authentic selves, when they're vulnerable, when they're sharing their journey, we kind of gravitate to those messages and i hope to encourage people to share you know their journey as well absolutely and you know we all have our ups and downs and i think sometimes when we think at that shallow level we're trying to look for answers right so it's james green getting on a video and saying you need to do these five things to navigate today's world and at the end of the day you know those might be great points it might be beneficial for a um a certain person that's in a certain stage, but asking themselves the right questions is how they tailor it to their own kind of day-to-day -day actions. And I think that evolution is so impressive to see what people are 
interested in. They're not necessarily interested in all the answers. They're interested in stories that they can connect to um, that help them get you know that mindset they need to power through their next obstacle. And that's that's one of the reasons we started this show. You know, the connected mindset. It's it's around kind of connecting to the right questions and then adopting the mindset you need, whether it's a risk mindset, a resilience mindset, or just that. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna let my fear and doubt get the best of me. I'm just gonna continue to power through um, from that standpoint. So you know, 2023. You know, we're about three fourths of the way through it. What's been your biggest lesson? Kind of, we're getting out of that kind of you know COVID fog, I guess you could say. Um, just biggest lesson from a personal standpoint that's really you know stuck out to you that that you kind of bring bring to the day to day when you sit down or go visit somebody. Yeah, I think, you know, let's let's talk about what you and I were talking about before we went on air, that one of the benefits for people like yourself and, and, and me during COVID was you could work with a lot of clients all over the world. So I didn't have to fly to somewhere. Uh, I could hop on Zoom. I could I could be with a client in Australia and a client in London on the same day. And when you're looking at connecting with people and when you're looking at scaling your business, you're like, oh, this is fantastic. Um, but the biggest thing I've learned this year that you and I were talking about, that trust factor, when, I've only, when I only know digital Greg, it takes a long time to build trust with someone. There's something about physically being in person, uh, sitting down and breaking bread with a person. There is a different connectivity there. So you you build that trust quicker, um, your journeys go faster, your projects get smoother. So like I was sharing with you off camera, we are going to go back to that model. No, we don't need to be in person with you for five weeks. And I'm not expecting you to be in the office eight to five because you're not. But I'm going to make sure that the clients and partners we have, we are touching base together in person um, on a, on a regular cadence. That's, that's been, I think a realization that I've had and that a lot of people have had is that, you know, there's, I love, I haven't had, I've worked from home, uh, for six years. So way before COVID, I haven't had an, an office. I have had clients and coworkers I've never met, but there is, uh, I'm, I'm starting to see some disadvantages to never connecting with people in, in person. So that's going to be a big, uh, shift for us throughout the end of the year. Absolutely. I think it's something, there's something about energy that helps build momentum. Um, you know, no, nobody would know behind the camera that I'm six, five and, um, you know, be able to kind of relate at that level or like, Holy cow, you're tall, you know, you must've played sports and kind of diving into some of those yeah. personal topics, um, that I think help us better connect with people. Um, it's like, dig they call it like digital dementia. Like we kind of forget the yes. energy we shared when it's over a video call because it's not, in front of us. Um, one of the things that we've tried to do here locally is put together events for people to just get together and, and talk about topics around a table. Um, and I think we need more leaders throughout all the communities, you know, United States and beyond to kind of facilitate those kind of brave interactions, because some people are still in their shell. Um, they're still kind of, you know, working from home, you know, maybe they don't want to go out because they're in that routine. Um, you know, I, I was in the same boat. I worked from home um, really since the beginning of my career in, in, in risk and resilience. And it was just because we were traveling most of the time. 
you know, you came back home, but then when yeah. travel stopped, it's like, now we're, now we're at home for five days a week and you know, there's no, no interaction. And for some people that was enjoyable at first, but you don't realize how, how quickly that can get out of hand um, from that standpoint, from a personal side of things. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so a little bit, and I think this kind of segues well into, you know, fear, doubt, resilience. Um, you know, one of the, the big ways that we connected is we were competing for consultant of the year. I think it was what, back in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> within, yes, the, we were. within the business continuity space. I remember seeing you up there. Uh, we were like, you know, the, the, the top three nominees, you ended up winning. So yes. kudos to you there. And, and you won't let me live that down, which is, which is fine. Um, <laughs> no, no problem at all there. Um, but it gave me someone to look up to in the space where I didn't know anything outside of kind of who was in cybersecurity and I wanted to be in business yeah. continuity and kind of bring those two worlds together. Um, so since then, you know, you were, you were working for a bigger company. Um, you know, what have you learned about resilience from, you know, both the personal side and then how organizations kind of exercise, you know, that word we hear often, but most people don't know really what it means. Yeah. Well, first of all, as you know, I, I tease you about that award, but in all fairness, that award ceremony was on my birthday. So I felt like karmically the deck was stacked in my favor, uh, um, I, I just I woke up that day and I'm like I have to, it's my birthday I have like the the universe has to help me out here, um, and what you know really, I guess to start what I what I have most appreciated about the awards that I've won uh, is not that I've won them, but without that award I don't meet you, uh, without one of my other awards I don't meet Mark Hoffman who's one of my co-founders of the Resilience Think Tank so. The most cherished thing to me is not the award, but I've met all these people. It's expanded my worldview that I, that I never expected any of that. And and certainly those awards, uh, I think, took my career in a different direction. I was very uh, North American focused. Those awards allowed me to work and travel and speak globally. And that that upended a lot of my worldview because my worldview was largely North American centric. And then when you're on the other side of the world, you see the other you see the other view of that. And you also see some commonalities. So I think, you know, my views on on resilient, if you look at we're focused on are we a resilient organization? Are we a resilient community? Are we a resilient nonprofit? But it's really are the people resilient. If you have resilient people, you will have a resilient family. You will have a resilient community. You will have a resilient organization. The organizations I've worked with that have not only, you know, survived during these incidents or survived during COVID, but have thrived, all have these like-minded people who are resilient at, at heart. So, you know, that to me, that is the essence of resilience. Can you not only survive something but can you thrive can you grow can you learn learn from it and it doesn't mean that we're pollyanna and everything is always perfect but it means that i think at the end of the day those people are optimistic and are working towards the best possible outcome 
Absolutely. I was doing some research before the show and looking up kind of what it what is that defined as to people? Because everybody has their own definition for resilience, mm -hmm. being able to bounce back, being able to spring, you know, when yeah. things go wrong. You know, is it reactive? Is it proactive? What I found is, and this is the best definition, is resilience is maintaining optimal function to preserve your capacity for growth and positive adaptation despite the changes that threaten your physical or mental well-being. So it's kind of like we're all going through different things that threaten, you know, our ability to continue to move forward. And yeah. how do we put together the right, you know, mindsets, the right formula that allows us to collectively all move together? Um, and I think for a lot of folks out there who are like, you know, revenue, 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 like, and they don't care about that culture aspect or that mindset aspect. There's actually data out there, and I found it, where companies that do this training, mindset training, resilience training, collectively, their revenues actually go up over time because they're, Correct. like you said, they have that positive perspective, which I think, you know, it's that short-term versus long-term thinking. And I think resilience is a long-term thinking aspect. It's not a, we're going to go through a training, everybody's going to walk out of here and make a trillion dollars. Exactly. If it was that easy... Uh, no, but, but really nothing in life is is check the box. Mm -hmm. um, I recently had a client come to me and said, hey, can you design a check the box business continuity program for us? And I'm like, just what, like, oh, you're going to give me a check. I'll give you a PDF. I don't know if that, that's very transactional and you're not going to be happy with that. Like, what are you really trying to accomplish let's let's talk about that first but yeah you have you and you see a lot of companies that have terrible cultures and they bring in uh, a mindfulness trainer or they 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 bring in a culture class for an hour and a half well that doesn't undo your terrible culture your poor leadership your caustic environment you can't fix that with a 30 minute training video and a t-shirt that's not how that works <laughs> So that was the t-shirt because that's typically a part of it. It's like I took the class and we're off and running. So. Exactly. <laughs> no, I love it. It's a it's an important topic. Um, you know, that I think one of the things that COVID taught us, and a lot of people talk about this, is the blend between that personal and professional life that is now kind of smushed together. Um, <laughs> that we, we have to find parallels and we have to be able to exploit them positively. Um, and I think a lot of that at the intersection is mindset, right? It's not you're this person at work and then you, you go home and you're this person. It's like, how can you take the best of both worlds, bring them together and kind of have that, you know, integration, but it's also a balance. It's not just say integration, everything's the same. It's a, you know, I'm going to balance the best of both worlds, bring them together. And hopefully that impacts my company, my community, you know, myself and those around me in a positive way. So... Yeah, and I would think too, if you're uh, one way at work, if you're if there's work Greg and then there's personal Greg and they're radically different, mm -hmm. I think that's that's problematic because I think that puts stress on your your mindset, that being duplicitous. Um, I think like in in long term, I don't think that's good for our emotional health. I found the more authentic I am as a person, the more successful I am personally and and professionally mm -hmm. yeah it's that vulnerability aspect right it's the ability to 
you know, put the ego aside, be able to be vulnerable with people. And that's what people enjoy hearing about. Like when somebody is just talking about all the good stuff and, you know, they're, they're on TikTok and they're like, Hey, I'm, you know, like you said, on the yacht or, you know, I just rented a Bugatti and I'm driving this cool car. It's like, that's the stuff people are like, Ooh, and then it kind of just fades. But the stuff that really impacts people is when we're able to connect at that vulnerable level. Um, anything you've learned on that aspect, just, you know, throughout your journey, personally, professionally, you know, it's something we're all going through trying to be more vulnerable and real with people. Um, but then, you know, finding what that wall is on going you know, too far over it, um, where people are like, that's too much information, you know, anything you've learned there. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, there's a difference between personal and private yeah. for me. And I think for everyone. And if you think about the best manager you've ever had in your life or the best coach you've ever had in your life and think about what that person meant to you and what they did for you. Did they have a PowerPoint with like, here's 85 steps to do your job? Or did they know you as a person? Did they connect with you as a person? Um, sharing personal information, you and I talk about our families. You like before we went on camera, I told you my oldest son went to college. That that's personal information. We we should share those things in a work setting. But then I think there's a layer of, like I said, privacy. Uh, there's things that happen in my house that I won't share on camera, and nor should anyone. That's I think there's that's that that second layer of. Uh, if Greg tells me something in confidence, that's my private life. I'm not going to then talk about that on camera. But when we're, when people know us as people, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but your coworkers know you as a person. Your employees know you as a person. Your boss knows you as a person. That, I think that's where that personal uh, connectivity creates uh, a stronger mindset as a collective group. So sometimes it is as benign as what did you do this weekend? And actually generally, you know, genuinely listening. A lot of times you get on a Zoom on Monday morning and say, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, good, fine. Like nobody's actually, you know, actually tell me what, what you did. Why are you going to see Barbie or Oppenheimer this weekend? We don't have to spend an hour on, on our Zoom chit-chatting, but I think there should be two or three minutes in the beginning of calls, like just getting to know people on a personal level, not private. I'm not like, hey, here's my social security number or here's my, you know, my debit card pin. There are, there are things we should keep uh, behind a wall, but it's okay to tell people I'm having a good day or hey, I'm having, I'm having a bad day or hey, I'm struggling, I need some help right now or asking people how can I help you whether that's personal or or professional it's okay to ask those types of questions they shouldn't be out of bounds in my opinion mm -hmm. you know at, at a workplace there's a there's a way to know somebody personally be respectful not be nosy there's you know there's there's some of those 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 guide wires we need to hold on to yeah it's that those healthy boundaries that commonly aren't thought about right the boundaries yeah. that that we all have, I think because they're not talked about a lot, you know, what does a healthy boundary look like in your, you know, personal, professional community life? Because it's not talked about and implemented in many folks' lives, 
those the boundaries become you know they become smaller where hey how you doing today oh busy or hey how you doing you know you know the world's crazy I, you know i can't you know can't think like it's just because those boundaries aren't set we're just like you know go into a shell and that's you know a, a parallel of my journey that i'm you know kind of working through which is which is a continual work in progress it's a long-term journey to kind of you know first kind of set the boundary and then you know expand it contract it you know and kind of form it for what's best for that relationship that you're going into with that individual um, but i think it's important to kind of just recognize that there is such thing as healthy boundaries it's not always you're you're fending people off and saying you know don't talk to me because i'm angry right now it's you know sharing feelings you know being able to share the energies that you have so that maybe somebody can shed light when you least expect it on something that's going to help you get through that hard time or increase that good time that you're going through absolutely mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about the parenting side i know you said your oldest is going off to college you know that that i know that's on the personal level but you know what have you learned kind of you know raising raising a kid, you know, off to college and you know, he's about to spread his wings and, and then go to West Point, which is an awesome school. Um, you know, what, what are you looking forward to there and what have you learned? Yeah. So, uh, as, as Greg knows, I have, I have two boys, uh, they're 17 months apart. And what I learned as toddlers was just controlled chaos. Uh, when you have two boys, two or two very active kids, uh, you, you're just playing zone defense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone tells you it goes by so fast and you're like, really, seriously? But it does go by so fast. Uh, I think what I've learned, what I've always tried to do, and, and we'll talk to my kids in 10 years, whether they agree with this, I've always raised them. I'm raising them to be adults not to be little kids. And it doesn't mean I wasn't compassionate, but I never wanted to be uh, a helicopter parent because I worried then how do you ever disengage? How do you ever let them lead their life? So I've always been very uh, supportive. Hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll agree with that and, and try to help them realize their goals and dreams. So yeah, my, my oldest son, uh, in, you know, when you're a little kid, you want to be like a race car driver or a professional athlete or an astronaut. And then usually that goal or that dream fades away. And my oldest son in, in the sixth grade said, I want to be an officer in the military. And it was very clear that that was how it was going to happen. So we talked to him about, uh, the service academies, United States service academies, West Point and Naval Academy. And I just showed him like, hey, here's what it takes to even be considered. So I gave him the framework. I wasn't gonna, I'm gonna say it live, I wasn't gonna ride his ass for six years, but I let him know, here's what you have to do to even be considered. Uh, and then he went out and did that for the next six years. And I think that's what I've learned there is, you know, you set people up to succeed you give them the goals and the framework, but then you let them work through it. You let them thrive, uh, you know, on their own with with support. So that's been uh, an exciting journey and an honor. And then as I was sharing with you before we got started, um, you know, there's always been, since they've been very tiny, four of us in this house. And now there's three of us in this house. And the dynamic is, just radically different and the first weekend it was weird 
like my wife and my youngest son and I, we didn't, it just felt weird. And I think, you know, there's a lesson there that families grow and change, teams grow and change, and you may have the culture uh, optimized for a specific dynamic at a specific point in time, but then something changes. And so you have to rework what you're doing. So, you know, maybe some of the social activities that all four of us did, uh, we're doing some different social activities or different, different emphasis or focus. None of it's negative, but we just kind of recognize, like we were all focused on, is he ready? Do uh, it says he have everything he needs to go there? Are we going to miss him? Of course, like on these things. And then the thing that cropped up was the dynamic has changed in the family. So let's, uh, let's just address that and, and talk about that. And I think, you know, I'm, I try to be vulnerable and personable and, and personal in my professional life. I'm also the same way in my personal life. Like we have these talks with my children. Like, you know, I, I kind of grew up and I'm sure a lot of us did like mom and dad whispered in the bedroom and you never do anything about dad's job or mom's job or the finances or the struggles. Like I don't burden my children, but I've been transparent with them that because, you know, as, as dad's career has ups and downs, that's how the family finances go too. Or as like, Hey, so Hey, I'm in, I'm struggling with this work project or this client or this job I hate, or like, again, you want to, you don't want to just emotionally dump on your children. I'm not saying they're like, wow, like dump everything on your kids, but based on their age and where they're at mentally and emotionally, they should, I feel, be more aware of what's going on in, in the family. You want to, you know, of course you want to protect and, and shelter them, but I've never wanted them to be ignorant about uh, where the family's going or what we're working on or what, like, they know my goals. They know the company goals. They know my family goals with like, hey, what's your input on, on, on things like that? Yeah, to be to be open to those other perspectives, you know, I think is so critical if we don't shut off that, you know, James has been through years of, you know, business and, you know, they they don't know what I'm going through. I think a lot of people say that to folks around them, you know, they don't know what I'm going through. And that's a that's a dark hole that I think some of us go down and maybe never get out of um, where we where, where we don't have the ability to say. This person has a different perspective, which is extremely valuable to where I'm going because my perspective may be a little bit jaded because I'm in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, so having the ability to, to share those lessons, but do it in the right manner that isn't, you know, this is the worst thing ever. Like, you know, running <laughs> a business is terrible and you should never do it. And then it kind of slashes their dreams, but showing them the positive and negatives, I think helps them, you know, like the show title, unlock their own resilience, which you did for your son by giving him the framework. Um, you know, do, do you do you look at that similar between the framework you gave him and then the frameworks that you give companies when it comes to accomplishing that goal or transforming in the way that they want to transform? Yeah, uh, I, I, I think when I when I do my best work, when I'm most of effective with an organization is when I look at it through that lens and uh, the scenario that comes to mind is to me is around crisis management uh, response framework teams. 
my my best organizations are where that crisis management team though we've got the right people in the room and they can make decisions and they work well under pressure uh, a lot of times you know an organization says okay here's the five people who need to be on the crisis management team but when you convene them at two in the morning on a tuesday you know, Greg and I have beef because we're both trying to become COO. There's there's personal dynamics, there's political dynamics that are often ignored by organizations. And our most successful clients, like we had, we had one where we went to the CEO and said, hey, James really shouldn't be part of the crisis management team because under stress, he just lashes out at people and it warps the dynamic and they don't make decisions. And that CEO agreed and was like, yeah, I can see how James is a good leader day to day, but crisis management team requires different dynamics. So that's where, like, I really try to focus on uh, organizations think if they have the perfect plan and the perfect run book and all these documents, they'll be fine. If you give me five people who can work well together and respect each other, um, and are generally working towards an optimistic common goal, I can get them through almost any incident. That's more important to me than any other document framework standard. It's that team dynamic. You understand this as an athlete. What, what any of us who watch sports, they talk about, oh, the locker room, the locker room, the locker room. There's, and, but then people think, oh, that's just sports. No. The conference room, the conference room, the conference room. It's the same. You're with these people 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Give me a good, strong locker room. Give me a good, strong conference room, and we're going to win. I love that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's where it all starts. I think it starts with that decision-making structure. You know, yeah. not None of us are trained on how to make good decisions. And and then when you when you get with other people – that are on the same, you know, either lack of training or have more training, you know, how do you collectively train people on a decision-making process that's going to be in the best interest of the business when crisis hits? You know, I think that's a key point. And, you know, anything you've learned on that front, just from uh, how people make good decisions, especially in crisis, because that shines a light on you know, everything good and everything bad. Yeah. So what I've really found with crisis is uh, they amplify your your personality. So the good things that you do well, they amplify. The bad things that you do, they they ampl amplify. So for me, those that that key mindset during a crisis. Overall, I need people to be optimistic overall. And again, every time I say that word, people are like, oh, well, I'm drowning and the house is fire on fire and I got struck by lightning. What do I have to be optimistic about? It's not about, uh, people think optimistic means being in denial, but it's optimistic in terms of we're going to work towards a goal. I need you to have hope and belief, no matter how slim, but it still needs to be realistic. We need people to have that belief and drive that it will be okay. Uh, if you think about these survivor stories, right, the airplane that crashed in the Andes in, in the 70s, there's just no podcast on that, or any type of event where people inexplicably made it through. 
the survivors had a belief that we will get to the finish line. Uh, and when people think all is lost, that's when people don't survive or that's when, when companies, you know, I, I say there's always the next bump in the night. Companies hit that next bump in the night. And if the first reaction is all is lost, they're going bankrupt. Uh, and again, I'm not saying you've lost all your customers and your social media pariah and you're like, hey, let's go raise funding right now. I'm not saying be unrealistic, but that mindset needs to be, we still have belief, no matter how narrow it is, we have belief that we're going to get off this mountain or we can just sit here and, and freeze to death. So. I think we all need a little bit more of that is, you know, and, and how do we inspire people to believe more? Um, you know, I think that's something that I would constantly ask myself because, you know, whether we're running a tabletop, responding to an incident, you know, trying mm -hmm. to do some training for the company on, you know, what their threats are and, and how to put things in place on a daily basis to make sure those threats aren't realized. You know, a lot of it starts with, when crisis hits, no one's coming to save you. You know, your lawyer is not going to save you. Your insurance company is not going to save you. You know, we're not going to save you. We're going to help you. All these companies and people around you are going to help you. But you have to be able to save yourself and know kind of when to put the raft out, which steps to take, um, how to make decisions. And when we come to that realization, it's so relevant, you know, for our lives. Like nobody's going to come help you, give you that, you know, silver platter that says, here's the, the business idea you need to do over the next 10 years to you know, get where you want to be, whatever that, whatever that is. Um, and I think that mentality, that mindset is so critical. Um, and it's not talked about enough on how important belief is. And then once you have the belief, you know, it's really just discipline to be able to execute. Yeah. And you need to have that mindset as a leader to allow a culture of people speaking up. Because how many times after the fact with a massive corporate scandal, does all this information come out? Oh, James knew. Oh, Greg knew. Oh, everyone knew. Everyone was afraid to say anything. Almost always. Or, you know, you look at um, like the, the submarine incident last month and now all these things are coming out. Oh, well, this person knew this person. Like nobody spoke up. And during a crisis, you have to have that mindset to allow people to speak up and you want people to have that mindset to speak up not during a crisis. And that's scary because that's when you're vulnerable. I, I bring a, a potential business transaction to my family and say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. They can say like, Hey, that's really dumb. And it hurts when somebody says, wow, that's a terrible idea, but you need to be vulnerable to let people tell you, your family, your friends, your business partners, because that'll keep you out of danger. Like, hey, you shouldn't do that business transaction. You shouldn't get in that submarine because it has no fail safes. You shouldn't, whatever. But that's, that's, I think, where that vulnerability comes in because it is scary because people can tell you, like, this is a bad idea. This is dumb. You're dumb. I don't like this. We don't like to hear that as people. But if you have that mindset, it'll keep you out of a lot of trouble uh, in your life. Yeah, I definitely think it's a maturity thing. Uh, it takes time to kind of exercise that muscle to have the wherewithal to share those hard thoughts, 
with somebody and maybe knowing it's going to hurt their feelings in the short term or, you know, hurt their ego for a little bit, but it's going to set them up for a better, you know, mid and, and longer term. Um, and I think there's a little bit of respect that comes into play there, a little bit of trust that's needed to be built before. Um, but, you know, companies, you know, you're spending a lot of time at companies, you're spending a lot of time in your community and on teams. And if you don't set that from the beginning and then continue to kind of um, groom that that muscle for people around you, um, it comes crashing down. I mean, at the end of the day, when anything gets hard, it just basically crashes down and burns. Um, and, and most people don't learn. And we talk about this commonly in you know, risk and resilience. Most people don't learn until they get burned yep. and something bad happens. And they start kind of thinking about resilience and how do I bounce back from this? as opposed to kind of being proactive. And that's one of the things that I toy around with, you know, in, in probably every conversation that I have, whether it's personal or professional is, should resilience be proactive or is it really a reactive muscle that, you know, gets trained? Um, and would love to get your thoughts on that from your perspective. Yeah, I definitely think it should be proactive. Uh, to your point, most people, we learn the stove is hot because we touch it. Um, and if you look at, uh, after like, when does a company throw a ton of resources into cybersecurity right after an incident? And they're like, oh, this is important. I think we have this, this interesting moment in time right now, maybe in 2018, 2019, I would talk to some companies and they would say, oh, well, business continuity will, nothing will ever happen here. But the last three years, we've had a global pandemic. We've had multiple supply chain issues. We've had political upheavals. There's no one you can talk to right now who will say, oh, I don't see the relevancy. So I think we have this opportunity to kind of springboard, okay, let's be proactive going forward. Like all these things have happened in the last three years. You can't deny that things are going to continue to happen. Right now, we're in a record setting heat wave where I live, like it's, it's supply, it's supply chain, it's cyber, it's pandemic, it's heat. When you pick a category, we now have these concurrent uh, incidences happening. So organizations need to be proactive or they're not going to be around. Um, there's just too much, like the world is too volatile right now to say, oh, nothing will ever happen here. Yeah. It's finally been validated. I think we were, we were kind of on on the soapbox five years ago, where it's like these guys are crazy. Like they're talking about crisis and pandemics and um, you know global crisis and things of that nature. And it's like you know they're just the doomsdayers, um, or you know they're the ones that talk about the negatives. When ultimately, yeah. you know, both you and I share a, a positive perspective, and we try to bring that to a a, a business, an industry that is very kind of downer typically where it's like nobody wants to talk about it. Most of the time they turn a blind eye to it, um, but it, it becomes somewhat of a therapy at the end of the day. And when you when you kind of continually have that communication, like we hit on earlier, that's where magic happens and sets you up ultimately for success, good or bad uh, events at the end of the day. And I think it's how we message and present the material. We don't need to be chicken little. We don't need to do, you know, the skies falling. Like you said, if we're always gloom and doom, people will uh, tune us out. One of the reasons I created the Resilience Pirate, yeah. right? 
was we were building uh, with our, our partners at Illumina resilience archetypes. So typically, if you look at archetype models or personality models, you know, what can we do to connect with people? Can we use something that's a little silly to get a meaningful message across? And I think a lot of risk managers make that mistake. If you just go to the C-level and say, we're going to go out of business because we don't do X, Y, and Z, I would think that's only realistic one time out of a thousand. You need to show how mitigating risk, being more resilient allows the business to grow. To your point, frame it as something positive. Here's how in a tumultuous time, we can have success over our competitors. Uh, but yeah, you can look at risk management as, you know, through a positive framework and not through gloom and doom. You, you tune out the gloom and doom. If you've flown on a plane in your whole life, they say, in the event of a water landing, put your trade table up, do this, that, and the other. You tune that out when you're taking off because it's not, and I'm not saying it should be silly. Uh, it's important material, but the way those things are presented, I think we're just wired to just, okay, I'm going to put my headphones on and start watching this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The, the training, the muscle memory, I think is it, it's been broken in the past. And I think, you know, you're, you're leading the charge and helping change that. Hopefully more people hop on that boat where, you know, maybe the flight attendants are dancing and they're, they're talking about how they would do it, you know, if, if something were to go wrong and trying to create entertainment. People need, you know, we are all connected to, you know, humor or um, something that's out of the ordinary. That's what kind of gets us paying attention. Um, yeah. that, it shows on like TikTok and things of this nature. Like why would a million people watch that video or, you know, on LinkedIn, you know, somebody posts something and it's like, you know, they get a million views and it's like, that doesn't look like anything out of the ordinary, but they're doing something that is different. Um, and that's what makes people kind of build those mental models they need to connect to, you know, crisis type things like that. You know, I think about, you know, if a, if a flight attendant's doing a cartwheel and then putting it on saying, this is what might happen when, you know, if the plane were to go down, you know, you guys are going to be thrown around and here's how you're going to have to react. And maybe somebody you know, is laughing at it, but it starts to resonate from that standpoint. So I definitely think there's a shift in how people are trained that's taking place. And we need to continue to push that ball forward so that people can really better connect to what's important before a crisis happens. Yeah, and I think that context drives the right mindset. So in risk management and cybersecurity, we often tell organizations what they need to do. We don't do a good job of saying why they need to do. If you think again with all the things around an airplane, they tell us what, and you don't know why that's important. And in risk management and cyber, we tell management, you have to do these things. Mm -hmm. But most risk managers and cybersecurity professionals forget people, again, as we as people, we don't care about the what, we care about the why. Mm -hmm. Give me that context. Why do I have to do these things? That develops that resilience mindset um, and then you're not fighting people. You're, you know, you're, you're going towards a common goal. Yeah. That's huge on the why, you know, why, why are we doing something? And I think a lot of people talk about that, but actually putting that into practice is, is always kind of difficult. Um, because when you challenge somebody with your business is going to go under, if you don't do X, Y, Z, most people 
who it hasn't happened to before, just take that as a challenge. It's like my house yeah. hasn't burned on fire, so I don't need anybody to inspect it. I'll show you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where that's where we all go wrong. I think in this in this space is, you know, we're like we've seen the, the person down the street have a cyber attack and you're going to have one. So you better get an instant response plan in place as opposed to looking at it as if you had an instant response plan, here's the positives that you're going to experience if and when something bad goes goes bump in the night, like you like to say. <laughs> no, I love it. It's, it's been an incredible conversation. Um, any other breakthroughs you've come across, you know, over the past year that, that you feel is relevant to the audience, um, you know, for them to kind of go forward with, you know, everybody's battling something, um, you know, anything that's kind of been top of mind for you as you've been going out to organizations, I think we've hit on a lot, but just want to open it up to any other things you feel are kind of relevant from a, from a mindset standpoint as people continue to live life. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you would send me a question before we talk, what does connected mean to you? And I've been thinking a lot about that. And I think that connection really unlocks and drives mindset. So in this age of Zoom, again, what I love about this culture, you and I have met in person once, mm -hmm. but we've yeah. had conversations and we've worked on projects for two years, three years. That's that's fantastic. Without without the Zoom age, you and I aren't uh, colleagues and friends. But I think again, it leads to that kind of isolation and and loneliness. So again, that aha moment is continue to remember your coworkers, your colleagues, your clients, your boss. We are all people. First, we all have families. We all have stressors. We all have things that are driving us uh, and, and you need to be connected with people. And, you know, the, the mindfulness question I've been asking myself lately, do your, does your relationship help and offer value to both people? And I think, Greg, you're fantastic. Every conversation I ever have with you, you're like, what can I do for you? And that just kind of builds trust. And that's what being connected means to me and i think the more we're connected the the stronger a resilience mindset we have i love that yeah definitely want to acknowledge you for for just that mindset on you know you're you're always willing to help people as well and people notice that and you can see it through your thursday thoughts looking forward to checking out the book when that comes out and how, how it made you lose your pants because that could be pretty catastrophic <laughs> yes absolutely yeah, uh, we'll definitely bring you back on to, to talk about that book once it's released and and uh, give people a little bit of the nuggets that you're hoping to communicate there. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, James, just want to acknowledge you for continuing to put yourself out there through these Thursday thoughts for the audience. If you haven't checked that out, uh, we'll put a link um, to some of those videos um, in the show notes. Um, but, you know, James, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, looking forward to having you back on and, and thanks for sharing uh, your, your wisdom with us today. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate your time. Uh, have a great weekend. Absolutely. So without further ado, find a way to connect with those around you in ways you haven't done before and find a mindset that's going to help power you through the day ahead. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Have a great Friday.